Going on 14. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 195 of 40 Going On 14. I am Mike. I am Patrick. I'm Joel. And I'm Josh. And the one thing that's always bothered me about Silence of the Lambs is who pairs Chianti with human liver? I mean, does Hannibal really not know of Syrah? Well, I suppose it's how you prepare it. I know 100% that if that movie was written today, they would have it paired right. But, yeah, the writer obviously didn't know what he was writing. Yeah. Yeah. Syrah goes with human liver. Yes. Everyone knows that. Yes. Yes, they do. Anytime you're having long pork, you always have Syrah. (laughs) Long pork. (laughs) All right. So if that's not a tip off, this week we are talking about Hannibal. Uh, Not the guy who crossed the Alps. We're talking about Hannibal the psychotic psychiatrist that eats people and how he has appeared uh, specifically in silence of the lambs and in the new TV show Hannibal. So, Oh, I did all my studying up on the town in Missouri. You know was, what? You probably can still contribute. I was studying up on the guy from the A team. You can't help go home. And Mike I, just watched a bunch of Hannibal Burris stand up. I love it when a plan comes together. <laughs> If you love it when a plan comes together, what you need to do is check out the shows on the Podcast Collective. <laughs> you almost screwed up yourself. <laughs> yeah, I was so surprised that I had something good to throw to that I tabbed away. <laughs> I forgot the name of the network briefly. <laughs> but that network is the Podcast Collective, where you can find such shows as On the Block, Dating Baggage, Tales from the Hard Side, the Portland Beer Club Podcast, and of course, the Rad Dad Radio Hour. Oh my god, we we totally left you alone to run it in for a touchdown and you fumbled on the on the two yard line. <laughs> I bobbled it a little bit. I picked it up. <laughs> All right. So if you're looking for our older stuff, we are on iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, Talk Shoe, Podverse FM, and now on noonfm.com. And if you're looking for our uh, phone number to get in touch with us, leave us a voicemail. It's seven oh eight now wrap. That's 708-669-9727. Though after last week's ass on, ass off <laughs> voicemail, I don't. Th- I think we've plateaued. I don't think it'll get better than that. <laughs> All right. So, I, I guess I got to say that the Tremors episode was worth it if this is where it's culminated. Yeah, but we haven't heard from Luke in forever or Charlie. Oh, God, where is Charlie? Both of them are in, like, in a death embrace. They just got each other's <laughs> wrapped up. <laughs> That's my uh, imagination. So. I'm done. Okay. <laughs> so you got anything for me, Josh? I wasn't expecting follow-up questions. Nope. <laughs> All right. No listener feedback this week. No All listener right. feedback. Uh, then it's about that time. Yes, it is. This week in music, movies, and TV. And sports. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So this week we're going with the release of Silence of the Lambs, which was the romantic February 14th, 1991. And I, I did take a date to go see it. Did you? Yeah. How'd that turn out? Well, we dated for quite a while, so. Oh, that's good. Yeah. We'd already been dating, so it wasn't like a first date. Oh, okay. We're like, hey, want to go see this movie? 
<laughs> I promise I won't eat your face after it. It's I'll, got Sir Anthony Hopkins in it. <laughs> from what I was reading it uh, on the trivia and that sort of thing, Anthony Hopkins, when he got the first call about this, he thought it was a children's movie. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, little little does he know. <laughs> Well, we'll get into that later. But uh, yeah, February 14th, 1991. And the success of this movie led him to to later accidentally signing up for the movie Everyone Poops. (laughs) Because that actually is a children's. Yeah, that's a children's. We we got it. We got it. I thought it was funny. Music. I'm going home. (laughs) Top songs in the land are. You are home, that's true. It's a short trip. Top songs in the land are going to make you sweat by CNC Music Company. All the Man That I Need by Whitney Houston and One More Try by Timmy T. One more try. Now, I, I always, I mean, looking at his face and his little caterpillars he has for eyebrows, I still can't help but thinking of uh, Timmy from South Park seeing this. Timmy! And it would sound pretty much the same. <laughs> Timmy! February sees the birth of everyone's favorite giant ginger infant as Ed Sheeran escapes from the abyss. Nice. Yeah. Figured he'd appreciate that. <laughs> the Reverend Dr. James Edward Cleveland, a gospel singer, musician, and composer who is known for the king of gospel music, was a driving force behind the creation of the modern gospel sound. He incorporated traditional black gospel, modern, soul, hip-hop, and jazz in arrangements for mass choirs. Shut up, Matt. <laughs> You're just randomly replacing words with other words. <laughs> he appeared on hundreds of recordings and earned four Grammy Awards and was the first gospel musician to earn a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. He is regarded by many to be one of the greatest gospel singers that ever lived. Bullshit. On February 9th, the Reverend died in Culver City, California at the age of 59 due to congestive heart failure, leaving behind a 4 to six million dollar estate, which Joel Osteen quickly absorbed. <laughs> <laughs> well, everyone knows that when, you, when a reverend dies, his money goes automatically to Joel Osteen. <laughs> <laughs> absorbed. Ah. <laughs> uh. Man, that I man's got. Joel, I'm just saying, Joel Osteen's got some picture of Dorian Gray stuff going on. I'm, I'm sure right? of it. <laughs> Absorbed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. In movies, The Silence of the Lambs releases for a romantic Valentine's Day weekend. It was made for nineteen between nineteen and twenty million dollars, and it would end its domestic box office run at one hundred thirty point seven million dollars and two hundred seventy two point seven million worldwide. Damn. Yeah. Apparently, it's a ginger party this week. Bonnie Wright, most widely known as Ginny Weasley from the Harry Potter movies, is born. Aw, happy so, birthday! Nineteen ninety one. Yeah. Yeah. Meg Ryan and Dennis Quaid get married on February 14th, a fairy tale romance that lasts until the year 2000 when they divorce due to his infidelities. How do you cheat on Meg Ryan? With Ed Sheeran. <laughs> bum, 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 bum. <laughs> Still good. Peggy Mondo began her career as a Connecticut experimental theater member in the 1950s, and she studied voice under the tutelage of the company's directors. She was an opera singer who was the inspiration for Yogi Berra's Fat Lady proverb. She played the part of Ethel Toffelmeyer in The Music Man on Broadway and reprised the role in the film version. 
Following the success, Mondo launched her career as a character actress in film and television. She passed away on February 19th. Absorbed. <laughs> Cut it out, Austin. <laughs> this one isn't yours, Austin. <laughs> I just, I. <laughs> Joel Olsen winds up becoming our our arch nemesis in this. <laughs> All right, so uh, the top shows in TV are Murphy Brown, Cheers, and Roseanne. It's kind of a mix-up. The Murphy Brown and Roseanne seem out of place in there. Why? It's the nineties. I know, but Murphy Brown. I don't know. Murphy Brown. Murphy I, Brown I, was I very popular. I know. I know it was. But you hear they're uh, rebooting or uh, doing a sequel to Roseanne. Yep, I heard that. Yeah, I hadn't heard that. What? Yeah, no. It's they're going to pretend the season finale where Dan died never happened, and they're gonna go forward. Not a joke. We'll probably end up doing a show on it. Nice. Very I have cool. The Roseanne box set. <clears throat> nice. So uh, Emma Roberts, star of American Horror Story and many other small movies and shows such as Blow, the acronym of the week comes late, W-A-T-M. Of course, that's wet all the mattresses. (laughs) (laughs) That was a musical, wasn't it? (laughs) No, that was a porno that I saw. Oh, God. (laughs) Wet all the mattresses, 16. (laughs) Washing. No, that is uh, We Are the Millers. Huh. Oh, yeah. is that the one with um Sudeikis and Aniston? Yeah. That was really good. That was really funny. That was, that was much funnier I, than I anticipated it being. The same thing. I was I was not expecting it to be laugh as much as it did, much less no, have no uh, regrets, the, huh? not even one letter. <laughs> <laughs> the um uh the cameo with uh, Ben Folds at the end is pretty funny too. The whole movie was was much better than I anticipated, yeah. Yeah. Especially with uh, Jennifer Aniston doing that. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> yeah, I think it was a case of the trailer was just really bad and made it look very generic. Yeah, I agree with that. Every now and then I go when I go into the uh, get my hair cut, you know, like, oh, what do you want? I, and then I can come up with the line. Now, nothing. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, I only know that line if I'm at the at the uh, hair place. Why don't you fix that in post? Yeah, no, that's much funnier that way. Keep moving. <laughs> All right, February 9th, Tim Meadows and Adam Sandler join the cast of NBC's Saturday Night Live. Meadows stays with the show until 2000, while Sandler departs four years later to chase his movie-making career. He's like a billionaire almost now. So, Well, yeah, that's the thing. is He occasionally does a movie to remind people, hey, I actually can act. I just don't want to. Yeah. Like, why should I when I can write a script that sends me to Hawaii and I can film that and I can go to Hawaii and make money? <laughs> right. Have any of you seen um the the cobbler? Yes. I'm I'm not surprised that you have, but I it it looks good to me, but I'm hesitant. I've you- heard it was good. Like people who enjoyed Punch Drunk Love, of which I am one, uh in general said the cobbler was really good. It's not what you expect. I, I'll tell. I went into it with very few expectations, and I left going, "Wow, that was pretty good." I mean, he's a Netflix own now property. That's all he does movies for. And uh, his most recent film that uh, just made the circuit apparently is talking Oscar buzz again. So, really he's doing something right? Yeah, it's kind of interesting. We're going back to like the nineteen thirties and forties in Hollywood, where <laughs> you know, studios and you know, owned actual actors and actresses, and now it's kind of going back to that where Netflix has, you know, exclusive contracts with people. Yeah. 
Well, we got some good movies out of it. I mean, I just makes. It, I mean, does that? Are we starting something where we're going to end up like you know, HBO has certain people and Showtime has certain people, and they just keep turning out the same different you know, same stuff with different people? I think TV in general is trying to figure out what it needs to be in order to survive now that the internet is a thing. Right, and now mm-hmm. that like you know, Netflix is its actual own company of making its own you know its own production company. Yeah, well, and Netflix has said for years their goal is to become HBO before HBO can become Netflix. <laughs> I mean, if they, I like that. they have a Brad Pitt starring movie that just got released called War Machine. That looks that's on my list now. I put that on because it looks really entertaining. Didn't even touch the theaters, so. Yeah, and they've realized that they've put out so many shows that it's getting hard to curate all of them. So they've started to cancel certain ones. Uh, I I probably won't watch the second season of Sense8 because it was canceled today and I heard it ended on a cliffhanger. Oh, yeah, fuck that. (laughs) All right. Like Freaks and Geeks. Oh, still makes me mad. Well, at least it worked with Twin Peaks. (laughs) Took 25 (laughs) years after resolving the cliffhanger. (laughs) My bro- my brother texted me and he's like, "I'm watching this uh, Twin Peaks thing on Showtime." It's like I don't know what's going on. I'm like, "Well, did you watch the original?" Nah, I haven't watched that yet. I'm like, "Well, there's your problem." <laughs> <laughs> even if you have seen it, like Josh and I were talking in the weeks, like even if you have seen it, you got a fifty fifty chance that you're going to know what the hell's going on. Yeah, I've read all of the books, watched the movie, and watched the series three times. I understand about 60% of what's going on in the new series. So it's not something you put on in the background and don't pay attention to. No, no it really no. is. I'm sure we'll get to that show eventually, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'll be sick that week. Uh, yeah. I'll prep you for the original. It's It's fine. It's David Lynch. It's also Mark Frost, but that's for another week. <laughs> it's also, the, it's also, also The Simpsons begins its Australian airing on February 10th, starting off with a double bill featuring Bart the Genius and Homer's Odyssey. I don't remember each of those. Is it, wait, is Homer's Odyssey the one where he takes the peyote? Oh, yeah, I think you're right, yeah. And he goes Bart find the, a spirit animal? Bart the Genius is the one where they get him on the, all the, the ADHD pills. Focus in? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he ends right. up like... Uh, Wrapping himself in tinfoil and he gets some major league, you know, gets the guys from Major League Baseball to knock their, their satellite down. Oh, that's a different one. A different episode. Yeah. Anyway, all right, moving on to sports. Sports. <laughs> on February 9th, Sugar Ray Leonard suffers one of only three career losses, this one to the then current champion Terry Norris, after being knocked down twice during the match. This is boxing, by the way. Yes. It forced Leonard into his second of three retirements. The key word there is Leonard. You leave that off and it's a completely different story. (laughs) People just punching Mark McGrath. (laughs) But still entertaining. (laughs) That would be awesome. (laughs) All right. I kind of want to see that, like the band Sugar Ray versus a professional boxing champion. Like one guy versus five. (laughs) Just one. flop. Do, are they allowed their instruments? <laughs> no, because that would be unfair. Oh, but they, yeah. they have to—they have to put boxer—they have to put boxing gloves on and and sing and you know perform while he's trying to beat them up. Mm. And all their shorts are sewn together. <laughs> now Shut that's the just... door, baby. Don't say when. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, Mike. Now you're just getting asinine. <laughs> On February 10th, at the 41st NBA All-Star Game, 
Charles Barkley wins the MVP as the East beats the West 116 to 114 when Kevin Johnson's last second three pointer is ruled invalid due to basket interference by Carl Malone. Well, there you go. Yep. Troy State sets an NCAA Division II record with 103 points in the second half, routing DeVry Institute 187 to 117. Wait, like late night TV, DeVry, get your. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know they had a basketball team, but I'm not surprised they got beat by 70 points. <laughs> I'm surprised they're in a division as high as two. Right? I think that should be like Division Four. I was hoping for more death in the twee. Well, DeVry Institute. I mean, that's pretty much it. <laughs> what, what's their mascot? What would their, what's their mascot the be? The Grim Reaper. <laughs> Richard Carradine in Revenge of the Nerds. It'd be unemployable 20-something. Yeah, it'd, be a, it'd be a guy in like a giant TRS-80 outfit. <laughs> it's a DeVry basement dweller. Yay! <laughs> the, the DeVry neckbeards. <laughs> Oh, that's all right. Jeez. Okay. So we have kind of an indirect inspiration for the timing of the show, and it's not much related to the first half, but it is to the second. What would that be, Josh? Uh, it would be the fact that this is a uh, Hannibal was a Brian Fuller show, and right now American Gods is the hotness, but it's really difficult to get uh, everyone to read the novel. <laughs> In time to do the show. And there's rumor that there's going to be a fourth season of Hannibal. So. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Brian Fuller's ready. Yep. And everybody loves Mads Mikkelsen anyway. So He is quite awesome. Indeed. All right. So we're, we're talking about Hannibal. Now, I did a little bit of research, and then I got distracted and wandered off. But <laughs> um, <clears throat> he's appeared in books, movies, and TV. Uh, appearances in the books are Red Dragon, Silence of the Lambs, Hannibal, and Hannibal Rising. Uh, have any of you guys ever read any of those? No. I've been meaning to since I'm sort of a Hannibal fan. Mm-hmm. I, I say sort of because we're about to talk about the movies. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've read Red Dragon and Silence of the Lambs. And I've Ooh. read The Silence of the Lambs and Hannibal. He's yes. a fanable. And we and it's one of those when I when I was a basement dweller back in my late teens, saying that I'm reading it and <clears throat> one situation was like middle of the night, I'm still reading. I think it was I think it was Silence, Silence or Red one of the two. And he's freaking me out. Hannibal's freaking me out. He's on one of his one of his speeches, whatever he's doing, but he's freaking the crap out of me. And finally decided to go to bed and there was a tree outside of our outside of my bed my bedroom window it just would like scrape when the wind blew on the on the aluminum siding so i lasted about 15 minutes and i'm outside there with a pair of clippers at two in the morning it's <laughs> <laughs> like fuck this you know i'm not but uh but yeah liked them both uh red dragon and silence limbs if i remember correctly also red dragon i think starts out with the the opening scene of the book is a crime scene where a woman has uh, choking and the I think that's if I'm remembering correctly, it's that book. Well, a policeman goes down to give her CPR, gives her mouth to mouth, try and get her breath back. And he comes back up with her tongue in his mouth because she had apparently bit it off. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. So that's good stuff. Uh, he's also mm-hmm. Hannibal, not the policeman, has appeared in movies. Well, maybe he has. I don't know. Uh, Manhunter, which is a movie version of Red Dragon. 
Uh, former FBI profiler Will Graham returns a service to pursue a deranged serial murderer named the Tooth Fairy. So, yeah, Manhunter <clears throat> is my big obsession. It's where it started. Like I saw Silence of the Lambs first and thought it was an okay movie, but Manhunter has always been my jam. Manhunter's good stuff. Like one of the film. first DVDs, DVDs I've ever owned. Huh, nice. that's interesting because uh, one of the first VHS, well, actually the first VHS ever owned was Sounds of the Lambs. Huh. Oh. Now you guys are on a list. <laughs> <laughs> so, Silence of the Lambs, the other movie that uh, he was in, young FBI cadet must confide in an incarcerated manipulative killer to help receive, uh, to receive his help on catching another serial killer who skins his victims. Uh, Silence of the Lambs won five Oscars, Best Picture, Best Actor, Actress, Director, and Writing from a Novel, I think was the last one. Um, also in 91, Orion Pictures produced an adaptation of Silence of the Lambs. Da-da-da, kept going on that, sorry. 2001, Hannibal was adapted into film. I've seen this one uh, with... with uh, Hopkins coming back in the film adaptation. The ending is revised, though. Uh, Starling attempts to apprehend Lecter, who escapes after cutting off his own hand to free himself from her handcuffs. Uh, Red Dragon was adapted again in 2002. There's a reason for us to watch uh, Manhunter. There you go. Crosses the line. Red Dragon, Manhunter. Uh, With Hopkins again as Lecter and Edward Norton as Will Graham. Uh, Unlike the previous film, Red Dragon received very positive reviews from the critics and audiences. Hopkins also wrote a screenplay for a Hannibal sequel, ending up with Starling killing Lecter, but nobody ever made it. So I liked all of those films. Even Hannibal. I wasn't too. I wasn't too. Yeah, I wasn't too big on Hannibal. I mean, it's it's all right. I mean, it's not definitely not the best of the bunch, but um, it's still enjoyable. And and I like seeing uh, <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman as as Freddie Lowndes, I believe, in uh, Red Dragon. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. scene with the wheelchair. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah, uh, Ralph, Ralph Fiennes is also very good as the serial killer. Yes, yeah. they def- with all these movies. Though, as much as I did, I mean, I, I didn't enjoy Hannibal as much as the other ones, but they definitely paid a lot of attention to the casting on this. I mean, if you've got Anthony Hopkins in there, you've got to have a good cast to back him up. You can't just have these B listers out there. You need some solid co stars to make it work. And I think it's time for my unpopular opinion that I think Joel already knows. <laughs> Go ahead. I don't like Anthony Hopkins as Hannibal Lecter and never have. I think after seeing Brian Cox play uh, Hannibal, Hopkins plays Hannibal Lecter with all the subtlety of a brick through the windshield. I agree with you. I, Fair enough. I, I agree with you because I have Joel and Pat, have you seen Manhunter? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I, I agree with you because I think it was such a, uh, it was a better introduction to it. And Brian Cox, I he was creepier. He was more, I think, more manipulative. Right. He was more intelligent, more subtle. Yeah. And not, the psych, the psycho bubbled too easily to the surface in Hopkins' portrayal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Chewie agrees. <laughs> He's even shut in a different room where he can't hear me podcast. He still I, I, yells through the door. I think there might be just reason behind that being that he's already exposed. There's no reason for him to hide behind anything in Silence of the Lambs. So True. I mean, he's I mean, in a cell. It's not like they don't know. He, he hasn't been discovered yet. Yeah, we may have gotten a different interpretation by Hopkins if he had still been out among, you know, and tried, tried to stay in hiding. I see. I, I would buy that, except Red Dragon. 
Red Dragon is literally a remake of Manhunter, and Hopkins is still not particularly subtle. Oh shit! What's wrong? I'm, 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 oh, I thought my mic disconnected. No, no, no. We're, no. Just, <laughs> we're just. No, we're, I was just getting ready to say. Well, I have no rebuttal for that. So we were just absorbing what you said. Well, I did not know that. <laughs> uh, Hannibal has been played by, uh, as we're going down the list, Mads Mikkelsen in Hannibal, the TV series. Anthony Hopkins from Hannibal Lecter movies. Gaspard Uliel. Okay. Is that right? We'll go with that. Good enough. Hannibal Rising, Brian Cox from Manhunter, and Aaron Thomas as young Hannibal in Hannibal Rising. Now, just because I don't know if anybody else is going to speak about it, but <clears throat> I've seen Hannibal Rising as well. Um, I am a fanibal. I, I, I've enjoyed everything but the books and seen everything but the books. Uh, you don't see books, you read them, but um, yeah, it's... Do. Yeah, they're not invisible until <laughs> you start reading them. <laughs> otherwise, they, um, otherwise, you'd consistently be running into books and stuff. You like accidentally read them. And... That's what happens. Um, it, it, it was okay. I mean, it's it's definitely not on par with the rest. They went a little bit more for the 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 standard prequel fare as far as how they handled it. And there's not really too many people in it that are names by any stretch, but it's interesting to kind of see that character progression. Uh, they kind of take it a bit more of a, almost like a horror movie approach, which is unfortunate. And a lot of people classify silence of the lambs as the first f- horror film to, to win an Oscar, but I would disagree. All um, right. That sounds wrong to me too, but w- what would it be? It's a, it's a thriller. It's like any other, like, Seven or... Da-da. Right, it's any other uh, crime thriller. I mean, it's not a horror movie. Fair enough. I thought that there was maybe a horror film that predated it or something that could be considered horror that predated the one in Oscar. No, there hasn't. That's that's why there was such a hullabaloo about it that everybody was like, a horror movie won an Oscar. I'm like, it's not a horror movie. Microwave Massacre was actually the first movie. Dude, I love movie. Microwave Massacre. To win an Oscar. Um, it's not winning shit. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen it several times, but it ain't winning anything. I don't know where I, I don't know where that came from. I, I apologize for bringing that movie up. So anyway, well, Silence then, of the mean, Lambs. Then a horror movie will never ever win an Oscar if your only definition of horror is like the really campy, you know, bad, over the top, too graphic type of shit. I mean, no, not at all. There, the there's, line, I mean, like, what do you draw the line at? Is Rosemary's <laughs> Baby horror then? Yes, yes, but it's a, it's a psychological. It's like no, it's in a like a an occult horror. And it's definitely more psychological. The the new crop of horror films coming out, the death wave that's happening right now, there's some stuff in there that is on par with a lot of mainstream movies. It just hasn't gotten to the public yet in that way. And there's some stuff there that could definitely get that to that point if it continues. All right. So, so mark my words. I'm marking them. They have been Yay. marked. Uh, so Silence of the Lamb, directed by Jonathan Demme, who is known for such things as Jimmy Carter, Man from the Plains. Kenny Chesney, unstaged. And everybody remembers Ricky and the Flash. I don't know, what else is he? It's kind of weird. He got a lot of musical uh, documentaries. I swear he'd done other things than that. <laughs> he did Philadelphia. He did, oh, okay. Yeah, there was other things he did. I'm just being a dick. Um, he, uh, yeah, so... I'm, like, I'm not kidding. It's like he did, he did a documentary. Yeah, he did a documentary on the Pretenders, Bruce Springsteen, Neil Young. I uh, wonder if that's how he got his start as a doc maker. No, this no, is he started after. with the. Uh, oh, sorry. No, I was gonna say all these are after. Huh. Did this. Yeah, he started with um, uh, exploitation films like Crazy Mama and Caged Heat, 
Oh, okay. Oh, and he did uh, Talking Heads Stop Making Sense also, so that makes sense. Yeah, ah, he, start, he started doing stuff later on, and then he got back into mainstream films like Married to the Mob in Philadelphia and uh, My Name Beloved, you know, so. <laughs> All right, so this is starring Jodie Foster as Clarice Starling, uh, Kazi Lemons as Ardelia Mapp, Lawrence T. Rents as Agent Burroughs, Scott Glenn, Jack Crawford, Anthony Heald as Dr. Felt Frederick Chilton, Frankie Faison as Barney, and I toss these two guys in there. Don Brockett as the friendly psychopath and Frank <laughs> Seals Jr. as the brooding psychopath. <laughs> Together, they're the psychopath brothers traveling the nation to come and see you. Um, stabby, stabby, stab. <laughs> Stuart Rudin as Muggs. Anthony Hopkins as Dr. Thanks. Hannibal Lecter. And Ted Levine as Jamie Gumb. It puts a lotion in the basket. <laughs> it puts a fucking lotion in the basket. <laughs> She's so... Uh, trivia on this one in prep for the role Anthony Hopkins studied files of serial killers also he visited prisons and studied convicted murderers and was present during some court hearings concerning gruesome murders and serial killings he concluded that most serial killers chew the scenery (laughs) and throw semen at people oh wait that was Migs ew I can can smell your cunt (laughs) jeez (laughs) on that note Jodie Foster (laughs) Uh, claims that during the first meeting between Lecter and Starling, Anthony Hopkins' mocking of her southern accent was improvised on the spot. Foster's horrified reaction was genuine. She felt personally attacked, and later she thanked Hopkins for generating such an honest reaction. Hmm. Yeah, there you go. Uh, and after, after Lecter was moved from Baltimore, the plan was to dress him in a yellow or orange jumpsuit. Anthony Hopkins convinced Jonathan Demme and the costume designer Colleen Atwood that the character would seem more clinical and unsettling if he was dressed in pure white. Hopkins has since said that he got the idea from his fear of dentists. (laughs) Interesting. And Patrick, I toss this one in there for you. Buffalo Bill's dance was not included in the original draft of the screenplay, although it appears in the novel. It was added at the instance insistence of ted levine who thought that the scene was essential in defining the character goodbye horses that scene is essential in many many reasons for many many reasons he just wanted to do a junk tuck dance right who doesn't it's fun i'm doing it right now (laughs) is that picture still in existence somewhere yes yes it is And I said, had to said to say it. The last person I know that had a copy of that picture was my mother. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Goodbye, horses. Yeah. For those of you listening, there is a picture of me out there posed as Buffalo Bill with my junk tucked. I sent it to everybody in college. Yep. (laughs) I think that was in the years where I was just deleting your emails on the scene. Trust me, that's probably a good idea. All right. Silence of the Lambs. <clears throat> I think we know where Josh stands on this one. And uh, But Joel is the... Actually, Joel, you're, you're the one who I think probably likes this movie the most. I do. I um, The first time I saw it, it's one of the first movies I remember, like, outside of True Romance, I think, where I kind of made the decision that I wanted to get into film. And this was probably the, the second one after True Romance that, that did that. And I remember telling all my friends about it. I'm like, dude, you got to see this movie. Sounds of the Lambs is awesome. So there was a, during high school, we had a, a get together with a bunch of friends. And I brought over my copy and we watched it. 
and they had all the lights off and there was boys and girls and just there was like 25 people there watching the movie. <laughs> and since I knew when the, the scares were, I, I waited and I would like scare the girls because I thought that was cool. But uh, <laughs> I, I there's just something about it that just I, I love. It's just a great cast. It's a great script. It's uh, the, the pacing is well done. The music's great. I mean, just and, and even though Hannibal, yeah, I I don't disagree. He's maybe a bit over the top, but he kind of defined that role because before that, I mean, like a man movie people knew about, but it never got the praise and admiration that this did. So he kind of set the standard and then Mad Mickelson <laughs> redid it. But we'll get to that. What would you say would be your the point in the movie where you were like, I'm totally in? Just that first scene where she goes down to interview him for the first time after she goes by all the other the crazies and she gets to his cell and just kind of their interplay. It just it just kind of oozes off the screen and just something very appealing about that back and forth they have. Nice. Clarice and Hannibal. Cool. Pat, what about you? He's muted. Maybe I was, maybe I wasn't. <laughs> um, what do I think about the movie in general? Is that the question? Yeah. I um, I love this movie. This is one of my all-time favorites. Um, I, I, I mean, I don't necessarily think Anthony Hopkins is uh, scenery-chewing. I mean, it was definitely... Um, definitely a little bit over the top, but I, like I said, I think by this point, he had just kind of lost his mind. But, I mean... I can't refute anything from the Red Dragon movie, so I don't know. Maybe I think maybe by Red Dragon he had gotten a little too into being Hannibal and decided to take it a little too far, or not really decided to, but just by natural progression went a little too far. Yeah, he kind of was like instead of pulling it back like he should have, he just went a little too far with it. I'm going to say, oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to make fun of myself, and I was going to say the phrase "a little too far" one more time. To be fair, until I had appreciated Manhunter, uh, I, I didn't have a huge negative impression of Anthony Hopkins' portrayal. And I actually, I liked the movie, and I still kind of do. It just was like a slightly overrated, decent thriller. That's pretty much always been my opinion of it. The music oh. and the cinematography is excellent. Jodie Foster's yeah, great. The mood, the the settings, everything, you know, I mean it's it's the cinematography is, is almost perfect. Yeah, no no arguments for me on that. Do you think it was do you think it earned that Oscar? I think it earned everything it's got. <laughs> I, I I mean I I really I love this movie. I think it's and I think everybody Pat, did, did a great job in it. I, I also concur with Pat and I probably should have said this before, but it's definitely in my top I'd say top fifty of all time, maybe even top twenty five. Yeah, I would I would put it in probably around top thirty. Yeah, somewhere it's probably in the in the twenties. I'm sure. If I okay. now I'm I'm sorry I'm going I'm scrolling back to find uh, to find this and see what Anthony Hopkins had done before this. No, <laughs> magic. Oh, I love that movie. <laughs> well, there's believe me, there's a couple things in between there. I mean, he was on <laughs> Hollywood <laughs> Wives, the TV series, <laughs> so. A lot of TV. I mean, he spent a lot of time in TV before he hit this, and it wasn't until afterwards. Uh, he, nineteen eighty one, he in a movie he played Adolf Hitler in a movie called The Bunker. Oh Jesus! I I think that ha- I 
think they were making a sequel to that. It had a cliffhanger ending. So, <laughs> uh, so what would you guys say was your favorite scene in Silence of the Lambs? Uh, I'll, I'll go first since I already have something in mind. Um, it's the scene when um, he escapes uh, via the ambulance, and like as, as they're finding out that you know the guy that's laying there is not Hannibal Lecter. And they cut to the ambulance, and he just peels the guy's face off of his own face. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> that's my favorite scene. <clears throat> yeah, that's that That was, I mean, I was, I was in the same mood with you with that one. It was like when he took, when he took his face off, it was just like, uh. Well, and at the time, I mean, that wasn't a thing. I mean, that's become kind of a, a foil now, kind of a, a trope. Yeah, and that, that was but, the, first, uh, yeah, the first time, you know, anybody had use someone else's face as their own in a movie. When we, yeah, when I saw that for the first time, I was like, holy shit, what just happened? <laughs> Josh, Josh, did you have any... Yeah, I'm curious on you. I mean, despite the fact that you're not a big fan of Anthony Hopkins' portrayal, you like this cinematography and all that. Was there a scene that, like, just artistically you like? Uh, probably the thing that stuck with me the longest was the storage unit. Hmm. Yeah, Hester Moffat's storage unit. Yeah, where they're they're going through it, and you've got the like head in the jar and all of it. It's just it's very subtly creepy. And the fact you can't get the door all the way up, and she has to crawl underneath it. It's just yeah, so mm. full of peril and shit. <laughs> no, you can't. There's too much peril. <laughs> too much. <laughs> Go back. The high peril area. What about you, Joe? Joe will. I already answered this question. You did? Yeah. Who's With left? The, we got everybody. You oh, Mike. Oh, me. Oh, shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, uh, Josh, I know you agree. I mean, we kind of agree that he's, he's not the best player of Hannibal. Brian Cox, I think, did a great job with that. But I think the interaction between him and Clarice is that that whole scene is legendary. Uh, absolutely. It's very iconic. Yeah. I mean, that whole, I, I like that because it kind of sets, sets the tone of what the relationship is going to be. Whereas, you know, he, she's getting his help and she knows she's going to wind up paying for something. She knows she's going to wind up uh, having to do some sort. And this, she's going to wind up paying for this, but she doesn't know how it's like that whole um, make literally making a deal with the devil type of situation. And like you know, the moment he escapes, you you know, in the back of your head, you're just like, oh shit, oh shit. But she's trying to like you know portray that whole. I'm not that worried about it. He would consider it rude to kill me. You know, like it is, but but you know, there's the other aspect that's got to be running in your head. You're like, he's he's still a killer, regardless. Yeah, <laughs> he he may not be he may be polite, but he's still insane. <laughs> well, and in that scene, I mean, you've got. Jodie Foster, who's a top-notch actress, and Anthony Hopkins, who, I mean, Sir Anthony Hopkins, who is also just kind of at the peak of his performance, both of them, and they had a great script to work with, and I I think they both were feeling the characters, so you just kind of get absorbed in just that conversation, and again, that's why it was my favorite scene as well. And and he really, he only had something like 21 minutes of screen time in the entire movie. Yeah. Yeah. And the, um, you know, it, did, well, it definitely did something good for his career because after this, he went on to make Free Jack. <laughs> Nothing? No. I thought it was a sick reference. You got you to laugh at <laughs> <gotta> laugh <laughs> me. I was going to let you hang, but. 
Oh shit! I remember when that that one came out, and at the video store that I worked in, everyone was like, "Oh man, can you get Free Jack?" I'm like, "No, you don't want to see this movie. <laughs> it's got Mick Jagger and Anthony Hopkins. That's not a reason." <laughs> <laughs> All right, have yeah, we man. milked this cow? It sounded like Christopher Lloyd was at a random movie. Do you have Free Jack? <laughs> That was pretty good. I thought that was terrible, but all right. I thought Mike it was, was more like uh, Deep Reverend Jim. <laughs> yeah, it was Christopher Lloyd impersonating <laughs> fucking uh, Reverend Jim. His name is gone. Wait, is is Deep Reverend Jim? Is he still alive? <laughs> is he Deep Reverend Jim? Why didn't we go to the break? <laughs> Let me have this. <laughs> no, you're taking this away. You're done. Bye bye. Bum bum bum. All right, we are back, and we are going to talk about Hannibal. The uh, I don't know, new newish four seasons th- three seasons three seasons three, three seasons. seasons that's yeah. newish that's new for a TV show um called Hannibal that takes I don't I have I have so many mixed emotions about this show um this explores the early relationship between renowned psychiatrist Hannibal Lecter and his patient, a young FBI criminal profiler, Hugh Dancy, who is haunted by his ability to emphasize, empathize with serial killers. Starring Hugh, D- I'm sorry, Will Graham is the name of the profiler, played by Hugh Dancy. Uh, Correct. Who, who I was actually recognized in our house by Suzanne as, hey, that's the guy who played Prince Charming in Ella Enchanted. <laughs> oh yeah he was wasn't he yeah like oh you're not wrong um, oh yeah yeah so <clears throat> good for him didn't think of uh, Black Hawk Down or anything like that but uh, you know it's alright um, Mads Mikkelsen who we all know and love from Doctor Strange from God what else is what we what did we just do that had him in it Doctor Strange yeah Casino yeah. Royale yeah. he was in yeah the Hunt oh and we also just did uh, Rogue One yeah, that's true. Rogue One and showing uh, his range. Yeah. That was one, and that was one of the things. We'll, I mean, we'll get to that in the conversation. I was talking about it, but uh, Carolyn Davras, 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 as Doctor Elena Bloom and Lawrence Fishburne as Jack Crawford. Now, I only put four people on here <clears throat> because I'm only halfway through the first season. And in IMDb, it tells you how many episodes they are in. I don't want any spoilers on this, so I cut it off there. Oh, yeah. You don't want to see how many episodes someone appears in, assuming they'll die otherwise. Exactly. Exactly. So The other casting that is really worth talking about is the recasting of the journalist. Yeah, I get. Yeah, I get. I uh, actually have. Did I put them? I did not put that in the tri- the uh, the trivia. The trivia? Yeah, they, but they kind of flipped over the character. 
Yeah, they did. They did a gender swap. Uh, you don't usually associate a character that is. Uh, oh, who who played uh, him in the movie? Great actor died. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, he didn't die. He was absorbed. <laughs> Curse you! <laughs> All right, so. But yeah, they did a flip on it. And Philip Seymour Hoffman, when he was playing the reporter, I think slovenly trench coat, that kind of like not not in style at all, and then turned it into this hip blogger. Yeah, uh, Freddie Lowndes uh, is one of the main antagonists in both Red Dragon and Mad Hunter. Mm-hmm. But until this point... If the character's always been played by a dude, and now we've got the lovely Lara Jean Churistecki. And I hate her. Oh, <laughs> I, I mean, not not personally. I don't know. You know, she may be nice, but her character, I hate her. Oh, okay. Which, which I, I thought you meant like the actress. No, 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 no. The the which, um, which one is she? What what's the character? She's the hot redhead. The reporter, curly hair. Yeah. I mean, if he's seen the first three episodes, he's at least encountered her once or twice. Yeah. 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 She's in the first. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. She was in the fucking mushroom episode. God bless. Oh, yeah. That was the second one. Well, and wait till uh, you guys meet Eddie Izzard later. But anyway, that's. That was the episode I just watched. Okay. Okay. See, that's why I didn't didn't continue this any further. So uh, we'll get into some trivia. Lawrence Fishburne, who plays Crawford, and Gina Torres, who plays Crawford's wife, are married. I never knew that. Neither Being a fan of both of them as actors, didn't know they were married. I didn't yeah. know that either. And, you know, it kind of makes sense. Who would make a good good wife for uh, Morpheus? You know, it's Zoe from Firefly. Yeah, apparently. heck yeah. But, um, which actually, if the... Are we calling spoilers on this? We, we got to call spoilers on this. No, we never called spoilers. Because I always right. ask, and you guys like, no. All right. So yeah, but anyway. I'm being concerned about making sure that I don't spoil too much for you guys since you're a few episodes behind me. Joel obviously is ahead. Yeah. Um, and the conversation him. that Lawrence Fishburne and Gina Torres have as husband and wife in episode four or five uh, really has a lot more weight to it when you realize that they're actually married. <laughs> yeah. So um, Mads Mikkelsen did all of his own cooking on screen, including the egg trick, which I have not seen yet. Um, he was trained by the show, the show's food stylist, Janice Poon. It's crazy. <laughs> I, I think one of the more unsettling things about this is, uh, and Joel pointed it out and I noticed it immediately, uh, was how delicious they made all of his food look. Oh, the yeah. plates, his, his stuff, it looks incredibly delicious. And the thing that's getting me. Is when when uh, Crawford sits down, when Lawrence Fishburne sits down to have dinner with him. Oh, what are we eating? A liver, or uh, what was the first thing? Loin, Uh, loin, loin. Loin, Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, you know this. Then, oh, well, what kind of loin? Oh, pork loin. And Suzanne's like, why did he not say pork loin to start? Who says just loin? Right. And uh, (laughs) that was very. It was a little little too on the nose. Yeah, yeah, it really was. And the the thing is, is that uh, after watching half uh, halfway through or the many shows I've watched while Hannibal is not the nicest guy 
or most ethical, especially when he starts taking other people's uh, patients out and taking them under his tutelage. But he really hasn't done anything horrible yet because every meal that you've seen him cook has been explained. What are we eating? Oh, this is rabbit. Yeah, but a couple of times, even in those first episodes that you've watched, you've seen him running after somebody and you know the source of the meat. When he's cooking the lungs? Yeah. Well, and that's the other thing about it is, and I think that's intentional, is that the food and the prep and all of that is so so much a focal point because not only is it enticing you because it looks so good, but at the same time, it's repulsing you because you know some of the times what it is. And but it's, ha- it's it's a weird kind of dichotomy. I don't know. But is I mean is okay. He was he was cooking long, but I mean, was there any ever confirmation of that's you know it was humans' lungs? Well, nope. I mean, you see him chasing down a high hiker slash jogger, and then you see him cutting up lungs that are too big to be almost anything but human. It, it takes a lot of mental gymnastics to say that he's not cooking human meat, and that's yeah. I mean. <clears throat> Go ahead, Joel. A lot of it is implied, though. I mean, because there's points I mean, where they. I, I think, I think because, be, it. because it's on NBC, it has to be implied. Oh, dude. Yeah, you obviously haven't watched enough episodes. All right. Yeah, well, yeah. I'm on episode three, we said. I, I, yeah. I, a lot further in. It gets worse. There are so many. It's like, holy shit, how did this make it on a network TV? <laughs> yes. All right. Well, then. Very much so. It's borderline HBO Showtime fodder. Next year. Yeah. All right, and I'm just just on a off. I'm looking up lung recipes. <laughs> Deep fried beef lungs with chilies is on the AsianParent.com. Not surprised by that at all. Uh, cow, there's cow lung recipes. I want to see. I, I want to see. Okay, you guys talk amongst yourselves. Oh, no trivia. I'm getting there's into the went down. Trivia, a, so. I went. I went down a lung wormhole there um the series borrows character and stories quite liberally from the novels red dragon hannibal and hannibal rising but surprisingly not from silence of the lambs even though it's from that film that most people became familiar with hannibal lecter and clarice starling this is because the film is the only one in the series not produced by dino de Laurentiis, and thus the producers of this series do not have the rights to it whether or not they have or intend to use the rights of clarice starling is unknown at this point Whoever wrote this, this is way out of date because season four, late season four, early season five was supposed to be Silence of the Lambs had the show continued according to Fuller's plan if he could get the rights. Okay, so they are going on with the Silence of the Lambs bit then? Well, unfortunately, it was canceled at the end of season three, but they're talking about bringing it back. Right. Oh, season four is is being bandied about, but there's nothing been confirmed yet. Okay. Um, but yeah, that's just it. It's a very slow progression towards them getting to that point. I mean, because of the success of American gods and because Hannibal had such a big built in following to begin with, if a network is willing to bite, uh, and it looks like all the principals are willing to come back, it might take three or four years, but we'll probably have a fourth season. Cool. All right. Here's another one. Josh, I think you'll dig this. Cynthia Nixon's character, Cade Purpurnell, is an anagram of Paul Krendler. Krendler is the male character from the Lecter books of whom her character is based and played by Ray Liotta in Hannibal. So there's another gender flow switch in there. Cool. I hadn't caught that. Uh, One thing I 
used to say for years, but specifically didn't say in the first half. Uh, I used to say that Brian Cox is and will always be my Hannibal Lecter. That's no longer true. Mads Mickelson is Hannibal Lecter as far as I'm concerned. And he's so good. Well, and that's something that <clears throat> being a fan of, of the original films and just loving that whole kind of world. When I heard they were making a TV show, I was a little apprehensive. But after seeing Bates Motel and how they handled it, I got a little bit more into it. But I kept looking at Mads Mikkelsen and I'm like, he's not Brian Cox or Anthony Hopkins. And then after the first episode and then into the second episode, I was like, it's a different take, but it fucking works. Well, he's got the subtlety and class of Brian Cox, but he has so much more charisma than Brian Cox that for me, he is a more believable suave serial killer. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I, okay. One, I just posted a picture of beef lungs to our chat <laughs> to show you the, what of they look like. Of course I did. Um, and they are very similar to human lungs. And I'm not saying, you know, no, it could have been human lungs, although it's weird that he would have killed a jogger and then gone out and uh, got lungs. Bought beef lungs. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I know. It's just but I mean, it's the, with the explanation, especially I think it's those are only when he's eating alone. I don't I, think I'm under the assumption that every single meal he serves to uh, anyone has a random victim in it. Uh, you'll you'll get more of that later. Oh, well, I mean, that, they even make a point of it at one point in Silence of the Lambs talking about how he used to always serve all his guests human meat. So, I mean, it's it's kind of canon. Wow. <laughs> all right. But no, Josh, I agree with you on that. He is the the gentleman killer in in that in that genre. Um, well, he may eat my body, but at least he was nice about it. <laughs> Well, and he's got these alien motivations that you can see somewhere deep in his eyes when no one's looking at him. And since you know what to look for, he's just got this, I am putting on this show of emotion and caring and understanding and empathy because this is the role I need to play to get to where I want to be. Mm -hmm. And he he just uh, handles both sides of the character so masterfully. And I'm looking forward to getting deeper into the seasons to get to see more of the darker side. Well, and, and he, he plays everybody like a freaking violin. I mean, the entire time he is constantly pushing people towards his ends, whether they realize it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, they, they kind of make it a blunt point early on in the series when he calls uh, the one guy, and before they go to his house, which results in him murdering his whole family, more or less. Now, that's the question is he called to warn him was his main goal to get a hold of the girl. I think that he said it's a courtesy call and he meant it. It's like we're in the same business. I'm better at it than you are, but we're in the same business. I'm calling you what you do with this information, whether you put a gun in your mouth or whether you run it's all the same to me, but we're in the same business. So I'm going to let you know they're coming. They know. Yeah, he's like, I'm not going to stop it because, you know, as, as you said, I'm, you're not as good as I am, but I'm going to give you this little tiny heads up mm-hmm. professional courtesy. And then, I mean, being <clears throat> the guy he is, I mean, he, he is going to revel in the chaos that might come from that. 
And that's kind of how I saw it when I first when I first saw the episode was that that that's just it. He was he wanted to see the chaos that ensued because he knows that mindset and what the potential was. So Although I don't think if uh, it hadn't broken down that way, he would have felt one way or another about it. He just puts this out there and then goes to see what happens, because at this point, he's mostly fascinated with Will. And I've reached a point in this where I see a full on cat and mouse. Full on just messing and playing with Will. I don't know, maybe not even messing, but manipulating him. Well, and see, getting to see their history, their friendship, their connection, knowing that there are adversaries in uh, Manhunter slash Red Dragon. It's just really cool because he is sort of a main character in the traditional sense where he's a protagonist. He's part of the Scooby gang. And, you know, Lecter has the advantage of knowing what he knows about himself. And, you know, I mean, it's just one of those, you know, he he knows there's no potential for this ever to be like any kind of professional relationship or friendship or anything, even though he acts like that's kind of what he's going for. Well, and that's a whole sociopathic thing. Yeah. I mean, he's he's literally like Josh said, he's acting the part. He has to be this way when he's talking to him. He has to be this way when he's talking to uh, Elena Bloom, like after he took the girl from the uh, the hospital and. I don't know. Have you got, I don't know. Well, whatever you how far you got. He, so he takes the girl from the hospital, brings him to his house, cooks her dinner and gives her tea made from uh, psychotropic mushrooms. Yeah. And then and he tells her do. what she's doing. Yeah. I, I think I Pat's mean, hasn't done that before. I think right. Pat's got something important here though, is that he's got this dark secret. And because we all have this knowledge of the character from other sources, the audience also possesses that dark secret. They get to share that with him and delight in it a little bit. And I think that's one of the things that makes this series instantly compelling. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it makes it's, me, like, it's like you're in on the big secret. Yeah. yeah. It makes me curious what you guys, I'm looking forward to you guys getting to the end of season two, because I'm curious to see what you think as far as the direction things had and, and the characters, but uh, quick question. So you've got William Peterson, uh, Edward Norton and Hugh Dancy all playing the same role we've talked about Hannibal's different portrayals, but what about Will Graham's man? It's kind of hard for me to accurately talk about this because he was sort of forgettable in uh manhunter, which I love. And I hated red dragon so much because I, I thought that it was a waste of incredibly talented actors to have the movie put together. So ham fisted. So I don't want to say that Hugh Dancy's a better actor than ed norton but i i think i'm enjoying his portrayal of will graham more see i i don't i don't enjoy his portrayal very much at all i think he's the the main reason why i'm on the fence about this this show i just mm. I, I it's it's just it's too much angst i'm over it i mean it just it reminds me too much of like you know um edward from twilight and all this kind of stuff it's like i'm just I'm tired of the, you know, I'm all, and I'm only three episodes in and I'm already tired of the, the nightmare sweats. Wait, 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 wait. Are you saying you've seen Twilight? <laughs> <laughs> That's what you get out of that? <laughs> That's what I get out of that. Not the night sweats. All I heard was blah, blah, blah. I saw Twilight, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I, I enjoyed the, it. I saw the very first Twilight, yes. Okay. Well, and it's hard for them to be true to the character and not 
handle the this is a guy who has this ability to live through the minds of serial killers but every time he uses it it destroys him a little more i mean in every portrayal of will graham that's his like driving motivation right and, and i and i and i get that but i mean no one is a hundred percent of anything like i mean will graham at some point told a joke to somebody no one's a hundred percent a dick Exactly. <laughs> well, and they get into the fact that he's on the autism spectrum. So he may have told a joke and it didn't go over very well. So he stopped trying. And I don't know enough about the books to, to know how the character is drawn out in that format. But I, after seeing this, I, I really like his portrayal of this kind of, like he said, he's, he's got, the autism spectrum he's he's definitely a bit broken from all of the stuff he's seen and done and the level of empathy he has with these horrible people that i think they do a very good job of portraying that mindset um why don't they ever have him go out and be empathetic with somebody that's just a real nice person to like balance him out that's that's not his function and that's what the dogs are for it's it's well, that's true. Yeah. Uh, all the strays he takes in. That's a good point. That's that's his his empathy towards the innocent. Yeah, I don't know if that's in the first 3 episodes, the fact that he's constantly picking up more dogs. That's in the first episode. I don't think that dog was even a stray. It had a leash and a collar on. I think he's just stealing dogs. <laughs> to an extent maybe, but dog stealer. The the dogs are involved later on, but more so. Stop doing that. Stop like I, everything I, we talk about. I, oh, just wait till I'm, later. But not all of it may be true. Well, Mike, you, you really just need to watch one more because yeah, I I pushed it to like 8.05 to watch what I consider a turning point in the series. You stopped right before a really important episode. Okay. I'm not giving anything away. I, and I don't think I even really gave it away considering the name of the episode is Entree. It's like if you yeah. read the title, you know it's a big one. Nice. And all of them are named after there's a moose bouche and I mean they're all they all have food based names for the titles. Yeah. <clears throat> all right. But, so anyway. after this, Pat I mean, we know Pat's on the fence, but what about the rest of us? Are we going I'm going back to watch more. Honestly, I wished that uh, as much fun as I have had doing other things, watching other shows, playing video games, I wished I'd started a day or two earlier so I could have gotten through the whole first season. I'm with you on that one. I didn't start until Sunday night to start watching this. And I should have started earlier. I'm lucky I started earlier in the week or I wouldn't have got to any of them because I ran out of time. I wanted to get through like about six episodes. Yeah. Go ahead, Joel. Oh, I was just going to say, I think it it was one of the more well thought out, scripted, shot, acted uh, television shows that's been on in recent history. I mean, they put so much care into it and it it shows. I mean, it's just a really, really well done show. And I, I had very low expectations coming into it. And like I said, Bates Motel was the only thing that kind of made me go, OK, I'll give it a shot. I was really impressed. When people have been requesting that we do this show since about episode 60 of our show, and now I can see why. And I really started to push once uh, having seen a little bit of American Gods. I was like, okay, I see where this guy's headspace is at. And I really want an excuse to check out his take on Hannibal. Mm -hmm. 
All right, we got any more chitty chatty on this? I mean, we're only partway into it. I know that it's it's. I hope they keep going with it. I mean, because I hate to think that this thing would end on a cliffhanger and with a with a with a whimper. Well, it looks like we're at least going to get most of the way through the Red Dragon Manhunter plotline before the series stops. Okay. Uh, that has been confirmed. I, I tried to avoid a few spoilers, but I did get to see that some of the characters that we know from Red Dragon have yet another actor portraying them. So they're doing that plot line. And I knew that the plan had the series continued was to do Silence of the Lambs rights permitting. Right. I, I, I highly recommend you stick with it. If you've liked what you've seen in the few episodes that you've taken on, it it gets it's good. <laughs> Nice. Just leave it at that. All right. I'm going to continue to give it a shot. You always say that, and then you never watch it. And the things That's you don't... True. I've, wa- I've watched um, most of Sherlock, and um, what else have I said I was going to watch? The other two Twilight movies? Shut <laughs> I will say, though, the things you don't like about Will Graham, they're going to be a thing going forward. You're going to get more of that. It's going to bug you. But it's worth pushing through that. I don't personally mind it, but I think even if I did, uh, there's so much excellent stuff coming that it's it should fade into the background for you. It yeah, will I'm, annoy I'm, you. I really do want to see the the progression of Mickelson as Lecter. And there is a progression, very much so. Cool. Plus Fishburne. Yeah, buddy. You know yeah. what? Uh, I, I I've never been a big Lawrence Fishburne fan, even you know even for his iconic roles. I still just I'm I'm, a, I'm very meh on him. I don't hate him. I just I'm just very meh. He's really good in this role though. I, so far he's been very serviceable. Like he yells and people get scared and that's fine. But mm-hmm. uh, so far he hasn't not impressed me. But he isn't one of the things that sells me on the series yet. Maybe, maybe there's going to be something coming. I I like him. I liked him in the Matrix. You know, I like I like his characters, but I do agree with you that he's he's the uh, the police um, superintendent, shouting and, and screaming at people to get stuff done. And when you peak with Cowboy Curtis, I mean, you've got nowhere to go but down. <laughs> oh. oh, Cowboy Curtis! I would totally love to see this, except. Cowboy Curtis instead of his character. I think that would be Cowboy Curtis taking on Hannibal Lecter, I think would be a great series. I think you've just described an episode of the Mike Tyson Mysteries. That was another show. I'm like, wait, what? I watched I, every single episode. I've seen a couple of them courtesy of other Mike. It's so bizarre. But I love it. Crazy. All right. So on that uh no, we're going to keep with the dramatic and uh, terrifying. What are we doing next week, Josh? Wait, wait, we need to do a thumbs up, thumbs down. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Thumbs up, thumbs down. I'm a, I'm a definite thumbs up on, on Silence of the Lambs. And I mean, are we going to go like through each individual? No, we're just, no. Just, just, just Silence of the Lambs. Silence of the Lambs, definite thumbs up. And on uh, Hannibal, I, I mean, I had to give it a thumbs up, but I'm, I'm definitely giving it a shot. I'm going to watch some more of it. Whereas, says. whereas mine is the reverse of Pat, where I have a qualified eh, thumbs up for Silence of the Lambs and an enthusiastic thumbs up for Hannibal, the TV series. 
Uh, I, thumbs up all the way around for all of it. I love Hannibal. I wanted to do a whole show featuring the character, but I will definitely take this. That's <laughs> consolation. I got a thumbs up for Sounds of the Lambs. It's not it's not in my favorite movies, but it is definitely one that I've really enjoyed, and it's got kind of character and iconic, uh, you know, just so many scenes that you can draw from and think of when you hear about that movie. Um, for the TV show, I'm going to give it a thumbs up. I'm definitely hooked. I want to see what happens next. There's too many, you know, so many shows that I'll start watching and get the first couple episodes in and then just kind of forget about it. This is one of the few that, had, like, in the middle of the day, I'd be like, God, what does that mean? You know, <laughs> what's what's happening there? Why is he doing that? I want to turn it on. But unfortunately, you know, I don't think I'd probably get yelled at putting it on for after dinner viewing, you know. <laughs> or before dinner. Make it another show that you watch on the way to work. Get to oh, yeah. Get the bench by yourself. Yeah. Or just do it during dinner, you know? <clears throat> oh, yeah. There you go. That's it's what a I was doing. Show. That's what it is. It's a cooking show. I'm making lung. <laughs> All right. So to answer Mike's earlier question, what we've got going on next week is we are going to look at the classic Pete's Dragon and the more recent remake. Yeah. So the remake just popped up on Netflix. And the old one, I don't know. It's more than likely somewhere out there also. So we're going to watch that. Um, this holds yeah. a, this, Pete's Dragon holds a, point, a dear point in my heart. Oh, I can't wait to Same hear here. Yeah, it was, it was one of my favorite movies when I was a young lad. So yeah, if you want to tell us a little bit of something about Pete's Dragon or uh, I yell at me for not uh, liking Anthony Hopkins' Hannibal Lecter, you can always give us a call at 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. Boo, Boo Josh. Boo. I said boo words. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're looking for our older stuff, like I said before, you can find us on iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, TalkShoe, Podverse FM, and NoonFM.com. We are all over the freaking place. So, yeah. So, thanks for listening. And uh, what what would you pair pair? Shiraz with you said Shiraz with uh Syrah. Syrah. Syrah, Syrah, not Shiraz. Okay. No, that makes sense. It makes sense. I yeah, I, I may have actually done a little bit of research on liver and wine pairings for that gag. Liver has a very uh very distinct taste that you can mask with a with a wine that will cover it, and Syrah is heavy enough to do so. Good absorbed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so mad I can't make a sentence.